0: Welcome to Entrepreneurial Minds, a podcast where we will be talking to multiple entrepreneurs to understand their journey, a journey that will help other aspiring entrepreneurs and people who want to build their dream ideas.
1: This is episode 2 of Entrepreneurial Minds podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to Entrepreneurial Minds. As a founder of startup, you need to be a great leader. As a leader, your attitude has to be the driving force for your team day in and day out. It is important to be clear on the values you expect from your team and to lead by example. You have to encompass these values in your own behavior. This is especially true in case of failures. When dealing with a setback, the way you respond is what will define a big part of your company culture. Myself, along with Shriyas, happy to introduce Ben, president and founder of Cantara Leadership. He is so passionate about developing leaders and he went and got a Master's of Arts degree in leadership and has continually expanded his abilities to maximize the abilities of leaders. He is also a Clifton Strengths executive coach. Ben helps teams, leaders, startups, and organizations transform through dynamic leadership growth. Uh, hi, Ben. Uh, it's pleasure to have you in our podcast to throw some light for our audience uh, who are the egg and aspiring entrepreneurs. And uh, What are the key traits that a founder must have or acquire for the success of this startup and make it into
2: a great company? That's a great question. And, and thanks for having me on to the podcast. And uh, hopefully I can provide some good answers. I think when I think of that question, some of those key traits that a founder must have, To me, a big part of it is is how well they understand themselves because the biggest barrier to success in any organization is often the leader. And the leader, the biggest barrier in their own leadership is often do they understand what they bring to the table, what their greatest strengths are, and what their greatest challenges are. If the leader doesn't understand those things, it's going to be very hard for them to have any success. And so a leader needs to be able to look at look at what they bring to the table, look at what things they need to develop in themselves in order to be more effective, and then bring that to, uh, to whatever organization they lead. And if, especially in a startup, because that, those things that you aren't uh, very talented at, if you focus on, on um, you know, building a company without understanding that, you're gonna have some big challenges.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a great answer, uh, Ben. Uh, uh, as, uh, do you see like uh, uh, these traits will change for the founder uh, of a startup or like a leader of a, g- a big company?
2: I think there's obviously different responsibilities between someone in a startup and someone that is in an established organization. But I think the core principles are still the same. You know, leadership is the is where it all flows from. It, it's like it, it, it flows from the top. And so I think that the, that core principle stays the same. Now, a startup company, as opposed to an established company, may focus on different aspects of what their role looks like. Oftentimes in a startup, a leader needs to wear many different hats. They need to be able to do lots of everything because they don't necessarily have the team around them yet. And that might be the biggest difference. So as a, when, you're, when you're starting off, as a, you may need to be okay with, with doing things that you don't want to do long term, but in the beginning, very few people you know, are around you that can do it for you. So that would be the biggest thing, but it still starts with the leader understanding what they bring to the table and how they can maximize the good things that they bring to the table. That's going to be what drives a lot of good stuff for them.
0: Right. Uh, yeah, that was nice. So Ben, uh, I, I was going through the kantra leadership website and I found that there are three uh, individual leadership and then I think team leadership and organizational leadership. Yeah. Uh, can you uh, brief little bit about uh, what are the different aspects that any leader at these stages should look at?
2: Yeah, so if if I focus on kind of those three areas, so individual, team and organization, so uh, it it all depends on how big your organization is, of course, but the individual side we've talked about a little bit already, where a lot of it rests on the individual and, and how well they lead themselves, how well do they understand themselves, how well do they know the good things that they bring to the table and how do they uh, you know, bring those to the table more often? you know one of the things that i i'm I, i'm a certified Gallup Clifton strengths coach, and the philosophy behind that approach and it's used by um, about ninety percent of the fortune five hundred companies uh, here in in the u s north america area i I'm, I'm from Canada, but um, it's a so it 's a tool and a process used by by about ninety percent of the fortune five hundred and um that what what that approach is is it it, it helps leaders to identify their natural innate talents, their natural innate strengths, and how to actually um, use them more consistently in whatever context they're in. So I do a lot of work with individual leaders and help them to understand that. It's a quick assessment that people take, and then they implement those results into becoming a better leader. So as an example, uh, one of my talents that shows up on that assessment, so there's up to 34 different talent themes you can have. And, and the reports that people get usually identifies their top five. And so for me, one of my top five talents is futuristic. And the short definition of futuristic is, is people um, that, that have that talent, they are inspired by the future and what the future could be. You know, they energize others with their visions of the future. So a lot of people in the startup world, for example, might have a similar type of a a talent in that way that they can see the future. And so they're building a company around what that could be. And it excites them and it can inspire others around them. But for me, as an individual leader, or if I'm talking to someone as an individual leader who has futuristic as their theme, I I would talk to them about how they can use that more consistently in their everyday thinking and their everyday leadership For themselves so that they can see, they can use it to say, hey, I see this. Not everyone can see it the same way that I can. I can see the future in a way, it's not like you're you know a psychic, but I can see the future in a way that others can't. And that is going to be something that that I need to recognize so I can tap into that superpower more consistently, tied into what I'm working on, and tied into even how I lead. So if I'm able to now communicate this vision and this excitement more effectively, that's going to help everyone around me be better. So I focus a lot in that way just with, with an individual uh, individual leader. Then I also work a lot with, with some teams, and I think team leadership is an important aspect as well. So if you're an individual in a startup, you know understanding how you lead yourself is important, how, understanding how you're wired. But as you're growing your startup, you're going to have a team of people around you. And you can't just ignore the fact that everyone on your team is unique. And so they're all going to bring their own different talents to the table. And again, the Clifton Strengths approach, the, the chances of anyone on your team having the exact same top five talent themes in the exact same order is like one in 33 million. So the chances of being the exact same as anyone else is pretty rare. And so as a leader... And as a team, the question is, how can I look at my team members and figure out what they bring to the table to help drive our success and what they need from me and from each other on the team so that we can help them be successful? So if I was a leader of a team, for example, and, and if your listeners are, are leaders of startups and, and they have a team of people, I would first say, what is it that I bring to the table? But then I'd go and I'd look at my team. And really, the, the Clifton Strengths assessment is a fantastic way of doing this. If, if people have access to it, and I know that the, it's available around the world and in many different languages, if people have access to it, I'd really encourage them to take a look at it and and try to use it with their teams, because it gives you this insight into what each of those individuals bring. Let's say you have a team of, of 10 people. If you're able to look at it and look at everyone's unique makeup as to what they bring and what they need you're going to be way better as a leader at helping them to be successful and the studies back it up so people who implement that kind of an approach that kind of a a, a, you know philosophy in their leadership their teams are more productive their team members are more engaged uh in general they're going to be more profitable so if you're really trying to drive success the more you understand your team the better you're going to be able to, to do and then the third level, when when I deal work with organizations, it's more of a, an overall approach. So when I'm working with an organization, it's asking the questions like, what is the culture of your organization that you're trying to build? Are you going to be building it around uh, this strengths-based approach where we're going to try to tap into each in individual's strengths and use them more effectively? That would be the culture that I work with organizations to try to bring about. Because if they're able to bring that approach, it affects how they evaluate their employees it affects how they're able to coach their employees it, and it just builds a culture of positivity so a negative based culture is a lot more based on what is it that you're doing wrong what is it that you uh, need to need to change because it's just a negative thing and there might be conversations that you need to have around that but so often in most organizations that culture is the first that they're doing. They're focusing on the negative. I encourage organizations to flip that upside down and say, what would happen if you started with the positive? What would happen if you started with their talents, converted them into consistent strengths and focus on that? Because face it, people like hearing about good things that they're doing. People like knowing and, and hearing others encourage them in what they already are good at and people like the opportunity to use what they're good at more consistently on a day-to-day basis. And so if we're able to do that in our organizational culture, just imagine how much more effective we're gonna be in and, and even if we're talking about startups, so startups, yeah, you might be changing things quickly all the time, but you know, culture, your, your team culture is gonna be very important. Your organizational culture is gonna be very important. And if you're not thinking of that now, when you're in the beginning stages, when you get to the point of being successful, it, you know, you might still get to be successful even without having a good positive culture, but it's going to be a lot harder to develop that positive culture later when you have so many people around that oftentimes organizations struggle with culture.
1: Right, yeah. Those are the great insights when like a four things like one in 33 million will match to the Clifton strengths. And also like uh, the other three points that you mentioned that uh, identifying the strengths of each of your team member is a key for any startup founder. And also instead of focusing on negative, the uh, company should start focus on the positive things that each team member can bring uh, to the team. Uh, Those are the great uh, insights, uh, Uh, Ben.
0: Ben, one question. So uh, if, uh, when we say when we are, uh every individual will have a different strengths, right? Mm-hmm. So how do they align uh, their strengths to a specific leadership type? And and then basic because there are some specific leadership types that have been defined. Uh, so first question is like, uh, do you believe uh, we should define such leadership types and then try to align our leadership to any one of them? Or uh, every leader is an individual leader. I mean, uh, it's a unique leader. What is your opinion on that?
2: Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's a good question because when in leadership development and in leadership philosophy and theory, uh, it's kind of a combination of leadership being an art and also a science, right? So there's some leadership principles that are true uh, in a lot of different contexts and kind of, you know, in, in, it could be across cultures, it could be across language. Some of those principles are going to be very true, but yet it's also an art and an art is if you think of art in the sense of painting a picture or, or, or doing a sculpture, there are some principles that you can't define very clearly in those types of practices. You know, like there are lots of different ways to view paintings, for example, and, yeah. and, the, and how people, whether people like a painting or not, uh, there's lots of different opinions on that. So, so leadership is both, it's a science and it's an art. And so when you ask the question, you know, should leaders you know, try to fit into a certain type of a model or a certain type of definition? I think that there are, are, is some value in looking at some of, the, some of that and saying, what are some good principles I can take from that leadership style? But because of the individual nature of leadership and the uniqueness that we bring to the table, it is going to be where you are like a painter <laughs> painting a picture of your leadership. And it's going to be unique to you as to what you bring to the table, which is why that, that Clifton strengths assessment is, is so fantastic. Because, like I said, that one in 33 million chance of having the same top five talents in the same top five order out of the, the, the possibility of 34 different uh, talent themes, everyone has their own kind of superpower of how they're de- designed. And so it may not work for me to lead in the exact same way As someone who is a, uh, you know, a a famous CEO of a company who has written books on leadership and and whatnot, because we're not the same people, he's going to have a different perspective than I'm going to have, and that's okay. We need to identify that and be okay with that and recognize that when we're able to tap into what we bring to the table and use it more effectively, that's where we will have the greatest success. And so it's a little bit of a mix of both. But I really lean a lot on the fact that we need to understand what we bring to the table as an individual leader and how we can be better at being the best version of ourselves in that role.
0: All right. Uh, So uh, other thing that came to my mind uh, is like, you know, uh, whenever we talk about the startups, Mm -hmm. majority of the time it comes like, you know, 70% of startups fail in the early stage. So if uh, okay, the question is like how a leader or a, a leader of that particular startup which is about to fail or is going to fail should uh, basically try bringing that startup back to the life. Uh, what What are the few factors which will be really important in uh, such scenarios?
2: Yeah, you know and that those statistics of of you know companies who start and fail, uh, it's it can be scary, right? because it's not very encouraging most. Companies fail within the first two years, and I know here in North America, it's something like seventy or eighty uh, percent as well. And and it's not. Um, it, it means you have to be pretty brave to venture down that that path.
0: True. True. Yeah,
2: yeah. and and so you know, I commend people to who do that, who, who start up new companies, and and especially if it's a startup that that focuses around any kind of a new technology or a new idea, I think the risk is even higher. And a lot of people are working on those kind of uh, projects and those kind of ideas. So I think that there's you know when when I consider what a role a leader can play in bringing these startups back to life or even making sure they don't fail, I think a big part of it is in regards to what how they can bring about a, a vision to the startup and a vision to the organization. And the vision is more than just what they're creating. So like if you know if if it's a new software for example, you know The software might be an exciting thing. Absolutely. You might be able to do something. But the vision is providing that hope, that vision of the future of what could be that gets people inspired. So the power of a vision, the power of having hope gets people more engaged in what they're doing. And so if you are a leader, one of your key things, I think, that you need to be doing with you and your team is, yeah, you need to be able to protect the actual product like that's a big part of it sure like you're creating a software you're creating you know whatever it is uh, some kind of new robotic thing I don't know what what it is it doesn't really matter for this conversation you need to protect that but more importantly what is the role that you're playing in regards to the vision uh, of the organization the hope the inspiration that you're giving because it's going to be hard for you and your team to be successful if you don't have that vision You know, there's a book um, that relates to this a little bit by um, Patrick Lencioni. He does a lot of writing around organizational health and leadership, and he talks about organizational health, the idea of focusing on on some of the big picture things that, you know, the the vision, the culture, the people side of things um, as being the biggest advantage that you have over your competitors. So the startup world is cutthroat, right? There's lots of people trying to start new things, lots of new products, lots of new uh, companies that are trying to be the next thing. But if your organizational health, things like vision, culture, people, isn't strong, you're missing your greatest advantage over the others out there. So that would be, for me, a leader needs to make sure that they are keeping that organizational health goal as a priority.
0: Okay, right. Uh, other question on the organi like uh, when we talk about the organizational leadership, uh, especially people say that, you know, uh, culture eats strategy at breakfast. Mm-hmm. So especially uh, how much focus a leader should give to the strategy or a long term strategy and uh, uh, how here, basically how we can. Uh, uh, take a balance of strategy and culture. Uh, is there anything that you would like to talk on that, like yeah. how he can balance that two things uh, to move forward?
2: Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I think culture is often one that's that's missed a lot in in organizations. Uh, strategy is often talked about. People come up with their you know strategic plans, uh, and it is a balance. I think they're both important. I don't even don't even know if balance is a is the right word because I think you have to do You have to do both and you have to hold both valuable to a certain extent. So from a strategic thinking perspective, I mean, strategy helps set the direction. Absolutely. It helps kind of figure out the steps between where we're going and that vision of where we want to be. And and the strategy is kind of what fills that gap. So often in organizations that I I talk to and and some of the reading and research I've done, they do a strategic plan or they have their strategy, but they never then look back on it because either they've made the strategic plan far too complicated, or they just feel like they don't have time to even think of it. I would encourage companies if they have a strategic plan or if they don't have a strategic plan, but either way to try to simplify their strategic plan, come up with you know three main things that you want to work on from a strategic perspective and use those as your touch points. Don't have a strategic plan that is 40 pages long because no one is ever gonna look at that. If you can't sum up your strategic plan on a page or maximum two pages, you're really gonna have a document that is really hard to use as a as a as a strategy because people are so busy and so wrapped up in, in a lot of the day-to-day. So that one or two page document is gonna be very helpful for organizations to rally around, you know, when they have their meetings together, when they when they're trying to figure out what to do it's way better to have a short strategic plan like that than to have a 40 page one or to have nothing. So I think a short one. And then I think the culture question is a good question as well. And that relates, uh, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit. If you don't have a, a good culture in your organization, you're going it, to, it's going to hurt you. Now it may not hurt you right at the beginning uh, a lot, although I think it can hurt you in the beginning, but especially as time goes on, if your culture isn't something that you've developed because if you have a negative culture or not a positive culture with your team, you're, you're going to have more turnover in your organization. And replacing employees is a lot more expensive than, than most people realize. Uh, and mm-hmm. so you want to keep your team around you, especially if they're, they're achieving well. You don't want them to leave. And a culture is a major part of that. Uh, positive culture means that your team is going to be more engaged in what they do and more effective at what they do. So you're going to want to make sure that you focus a lot of time on that. And it seems weird because or, or it seems like like you may not have, if you're the leader, you may not ha- want, have the time or you may don't, you don't think you have the time to focus on that because you have so many immediate pressing things on your desk in front of you, right? There's there's these fires you okay. have to put out in a way. And it's, yeah. it's hard to to take your mind out of that. Here's the fire that's in front of me and say, now how can I step back and see the whole picture? How can I step back and invest in the things that will have lasting value for my organization, like culture, like strategy, like your people? And I think those are the things that I would encourage startup founders to really look at that at the beginning of when they're doing things and say, how can I build uh, my culture starting now? Not starting in three years when, when we've made it, starting now it'll give you a better chance of making it and then if you do make it you're going to have a, a positive culture that keeps people around and engaged more
0: Right. yep so uh okay uh, one question is who is your favorite leader and why is he your favorite leader in general
2: yeah no, that's, that's that's a good question and i've i've had that question asked to me before and i know a lot of times people just assume that that when they ask that to me that i'm going to you know pick a famous you know, famous celebrity, right? (laughs)
0: anybody. Even I, I was expecting something like that. Right.
2: And, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, some of the famous people most people talk about, whether it's, you know, Simon Sinek or Patrick Lencioni or, uh, you know, some of those other names. But the person I like to often point to when that question is asked to me is actually my grandfather. Uh, My grandfather is not a a world-famous leader uh, in in any sense. Um, He, I guess he, in some ways, locally, he has some (laughs) recognition... uh, for what he has done. But the reason why I point to him is that for a couple of reasons. One, he ha- he's had some success in business. He, he, he invented some products. He, he brought them to fruition. He, you know, he, he built a company that, that is uh, selling products worldwide. <clears throat> uh, but more importantly, when I think of my grandfather, I think of the heart that he had for people. And I think of his desire to serve others around him. And the desire that he had to make a difference, not just in trying to make the most money, but in in trying to make the biggest impact on people. And so he's one of the most generous men I, I, I know. He just would give and give and give. And even as he built a successful company that ended up being very financially successful, he was always looking for how he could help others. And it wasn't always that he would help people financially. Sometimes it was based on that. But his home was open to people. Uh, he was always very welcoming, no matter who they were, no matter what their you know, backgrounds were, He was always very welcoming to them. And he was always very much a servant hearted individual. And so I look at that kind of a leader. And I think that's the kind of a leader that I want to try to be. And I would encourage others to try to fill that as well. How do you make a difference and impact those around you the best way that you can?
0: That's wonderful. And yeah, that's uh, really nice. Like, you know, looking at the people who are around you rather than uh, modeling someone who was in the history mm-hmm. is uh, something that is really nice.
2: Yeah. Well, I think there's, a you know, all the big celebrity leaders and it's not like we can't learn things from them. I think that we absolutely can. But in many situations, we're learning from people that we'll we will almost never be able to relate directly to because they have, you know, Very few of us are going to make it into the top 1% of the world's population, wealth and leadership ability, right? Like it's possible. I'm not saying it's impossible if someone gets there, but very rarely will we get there. And that doesn't mean we can't learn from people who are in that top bracket. But if we can find role models of people that we can aspire to learn from, who are closer to us in our circles, I think it becomes a richer type of uh, a learning, a, a more depth behind it.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: True, yeah. so, and uh, so the recent thing that we across the globe we are seeing is COVID nineteen. Mm. So, how do you, what do you think, like as a leader, uh, sh- uh, that he or she should adapt his or her leadership style in the situations like this? Mm. Because the way companies operating, the way people leading their life, and the way uh, teams are collaborating, and all these things were completely changed in the last couple of months across the globe. So, as a leader, for sure, there will be few things that he, he or she should adopt, yeah. uh, adapt, adapt uh, to deal with situations like this.
2: Yeah, and that, it it's it really is a unique, historic time, right? I mean, this is something that will probably never happen again in our lifetimes and uh and we're trying to figure yeah. it out and there's lots of things that are changing absolutely and i've talked about this a, a few times recently and and i referred to a, a, some research that was done um back in 2007 it was done by a company called gallup uh, and they do a lot of research and they went and they asked followers they asked uh, uh, just kind of normal people what they needed from their leaders and so this was before COVID 19 was around so you know, it wasn't like they were thinking when when a crisis like COVID nineteen hits. What do you need from your leaders? But they just asked in general, what do you want from your leaders? And they found they kind of summed it up into four key words or, or buckets, kind of, of 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 principles that that followers wanted from their leaders. And they came up with with uh, trust, compassion, stability, and hope. And so. Followers want a leader they can trust. They want a leader who is predictable, even when we're in unpredictable times, for example. They want a leader who shows compassion so that they feel like they're more than just a number in an organization. They want stability. Now, some of that has to do with financial stability, which is hard during things like COVID-19, but some of it also has to do with just feeling support, feeling emotional stability, feeling like they have confidence in the here and now uh, of their organization, and then hope. I talked about that a little bit earlier. They want to have a leader who is able to paint a good picture of what is coming, not being unrealistic and not ignoring things that are real, but still having a vision. And I think when you ask the question, what do leaders need to do differently during COVID-19? I think that if a leader is able to look at those four components and say, and, and ask themselves the question, how can I be a leader who brings more of, of these four things into my leadership? They're going to see, even during times like COVID-19, they're going to, it's going to be a, a lot better for their organization, a lot better for their team. And so that means you have to sometimes be more creative, especially as the world is moving now more and more virtually. How can you show compassion virtually? You, you, That's a good question. And there might be different, depending on the context, depending on where people are, maybe it's spending a little bit more time being personal over some of the virtual meetings. Maybe it means, you know, sending something in the mail to your team members to encourage them. Maybe they like a certain type of food or certain, you know, whatever it is, send them that in the mail to show that you care, that you know more about them. You know, when it comes to things like stability, for example, maybe it's just communicating more. As leaders, we tend to think that we communicate effectively, but more, most studies show that our communication isn't very strong. So we're not very good at communicating. We need to communicate more, but we also need to communicate more clearly, and that will help people feel more stable in their roles. And so I think that those four things, trust, compassion, stability, and hope, that would be my encouragement and, and challenge for leaders during this time. How can you build those four things into your leadership more often? Because even though the study was done in 2007, those principles are still true today, and I think it's even more true during COVID-19.
1: Wow. That's a great uh, uh, insight, uh, Ben. Oh, so mm-hmm. we, uh, Before we conclude uh, our podcast, uh, after having a great discussion, we would like you to give some of your concluding thoughts to the uh, startup founders on how they can start assessing their leadership skills Mm -hmm. and what way they can uh, gain some of the skills uh, as a leader required and uh, where they can start from.
2: Yeah. That's um, yeah. I think I've, I've thought about this recently about how to describe what it's like to be a leader. And I think sometimes it's 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 maybe you just imagine this with me, people who are listening. Imagine this. If you picture a giant forest, it's a huge forest that goes on as far as the eye can see and even farther. And I feel like sometimes leadership is like being placed in the middle of that forest and then told, now figure your way out of here. And when you're in a forest that goes on as far as the eye can see, it's pretty hard to know where to go to get out and sometimes as leaders we're in the forest the forest of leadership and we try to make our way through it on our own and we don't even really know how successful we are as to if we're making our way through the forest properly we don't really know if we're leading uh, ourselves or our teams well because it's a big forest and there's lots of, of trees and. And lots of, you know, potential paths to go on. And which way do I go? And so I think for leaders, I would encourage them because I I feel like I'm in that forest sometimes. And I would encourage leaders to look at different ways to to navigate that. Now, some of that is is resources that are fantastic, that are available out there. There's some fantastic leadership books, whether it's uh, some of the ones I've mentioned. You know, Patrick Lencioni is is a fantastic author. A lot of his material is good. Uh, some books put out by Gallup, um, one called Strength-Based Leadership. It's fantastic. You know, There's some really good good avenues to go. I think one of the most effective ways for leaders to look at kind of navigating their way through the forest is to go and find a guide to work with on that. Now, I, I'm biased on this, of course. I'm a, a leadership coach. I'm an executive leadership coach. But it's been shown through studies that working with a coach, an executive coach, brings about a return of investment uh, over 500% uh, on the investment that you put in. So it's, it, it brings you a return back on in your investment that is worth it. Because if you imagine that forest again, what you're doing is you're hiring someone that helps navigate you through the forest. Because you, as an individual leader, we talked about that earlier, will walk down a different path in that forest to get through it than anyone else will. And if you have a guide who can help you find that path for you, you are going to have way more success in that. So, if someone is interested, they can always you know engage with me to to, to talk about what that can look like. Uh, but there's lots of people out there that do similar types of things, and you can talk to them about engaging on those kind of things, executive coaching. But there are other ways that you can do it as well. Even if you just take the Clifton Strengths assessment, the one that I talked about, and you can find it just just put in Google Clifton Strengths. It's all one one word or or Type in Gallup. G A L L U P. Gallup is the company that creates the Clifton Strength Assessment. Once you complete the assessment, okay. they send you a, a really in-depth report. And <clears throat> excuse me, they send you a really in-depth report that you can use to help with your leadership growth. A, a, an executive coach like myself, and, a, and I'm a Gallup Clifton Strengths certified coach, can help you take that to the next level. But that would be a good start. On a lot of people's journey just take the assessment if they want to take it through me as a part of a coaching package that is a possibility as well but uh, even just taking the assessment through the gallup website is something that that i would recommend yeah
1: wonderful great uh, it's really a pleasure to have you in our podcast and thank you so much for sharing wonderful insights as well as a good resources like where our startup founders can start looking and start uh, uh, improving their skills. And uh, great to have
2: you, Ben. Well, it's great to, that you had me on. I appreciated the invite. And uh, I hope that I was able to help give at least one tidbit for your listeners and for all of you in that startup world and, and launching your businesses and growing your businesses. Uh, it is a journey and I, I commend you for it. Keep it up and uh, stay strong.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Pam. It was a wonderful insight. Thanks a lot. This was really insightful. I really loved when he mentioned his grandfather is his role model. We should really think about
1: people around us. What, Seteja? I completely agree with you, Shriya. Learning from celebrity leaders is great, but you hardly will get an opportunity to directly interact with them. But we can people around us who can share us uh, great experiences and one thing i really was uh, i really impressed uh, is about the qualities a leader should demonstrate during the challenging times like covid 19 and he ben mentioned that trust compassion stability and the hope are the four great things that followers look up to their leaders
0: yeah that's true So guys, please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to listen to more such success stories. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram to know
1: more about upcoming podcasts. You can find more details about this podcast in the episode description page. And you can listen to us on all major podcast platforms like Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, and many more.
0: And if you think that you or someone that you know can help aspiring entrepreneurs then please do reach out to us at entrepreneurialminds.2020 at gmail.com keep listening keep learning